So on today's episode, we have my mother. Hello. Hello, Sarah. You have to say hello to nervous. Her. Hello, everyone. Why are you nervous? Uh, just, <laughs> don't know, just am. For anyone that can't see, when we're sitting with a vape and a glass of wine to calm the nerves. Because I don't know what you're going to ask me. So everyone that's listening... I told my wife whenever I was home last week, I'm gonna we're doing a podcast and I'm gonna ask you questions that I've never asked you before. And she texted me last night and she was like, Can we just do like a test tester one? And I was like, No, that defeats the purpose of this whole podcast. So for anyone listening, these are literally questions that I've never asked before. And one way is safe to say she's very nervous. Yeah, very nervous. Really <laughs> nervous. So introduce yourself. Well, anyone that's listening probably already knows who I am. Um, Annette Rooney. Um, obviously, I'm Sarah's mummy. Um, Sarah left us in July of last year to go and live in the big city of London, um, oh. which was a big surprise to all of us because as a child, anyone that knew Sarah's child was very clingy. It was like my shadow. Um, just a wee shadow. Just didn't want to go anywhere without me or granny or granda at her side um so yeah big surprise for us but we're very very proud of her um seeing a lot of maturity from hang she's on. left hang on hang on i said tell me would you oh okay <laughs> this is all why are, you, why are you talking about me <laughs> well you're meant to ask me questions what do you want to know about me or what do you want the people to know about me for a brief intro so this is my mother She's 44. She's a happily married woman and she has me and my two sisters, Lola and Neva. Neva's five, Lola is 11. And yeah, so I'm not saying much more because we're going to dive deep in to the questions. Yeah, that's what I prefer. We'll start easy on you. So, what brings you the most happiness in life? Okay, well, I mean, top of my list has always been and always will be my family. Um, in particular, what I have here and under this roof here in Pomeroy is my husband and three daughters. Um, obviously, you're in London, Sarah, but me and you talk every night. So, you know, we still have probably a closer connection now, but um, if that makes sense, but a just having that and no one going to bed every night and knowing that everyone's healthy and dry and safe and you know that I know where you are at and it just that's that's all the happiness comfort I really need in my life um I know a lot of people would say well that's that's not true that's bullshit everybody wants to have money and the best job and all that but you know the experience I had last year with my, with my job I was in for 10 years and that taught me a lot um it's not it's not about money it's not about being in the best job it's about being happy um and making sure that you're 100 percent. you know when you're a parent and a wife and a daughter and sister you need to be at your best um as much as possible so yeah, that's that's what gives me the most happiness is knowing that I have my family around me and that they're happy and safe and well. Is there anything just for you taking if they take all of us out of the equation? That is a tough one. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, well, I mean, I think I said one of my biggest weaknesses to you when you're home was that too much of a people pleaser. But when it comes to your family, it's not like that. Mm. Um, that's different. I I was a people pleaser a lot more last year, and you know that. Um, and you know what happened, and that changed me and that mindset. I don't do that anymore. What I'm saying to you is what comes first to me now and what makes me happy is knowing suppose that I have made that change. I'm not the people pleaser anymore. I put myself first. And probably, yeah, I know what you're saying. I put myself first even before my family because a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people saying this lately, you have to put yourself first and it's not being selfish. It's about you need to be 100% happy in your own life before you can be good for anybody else. Yes. Yeah. Um, because I know from experience, there's been quite a few things have happened in our lives, Sarah, over the last six, seven years or whatever. And you know yourself, when mommy's down, it brings everybody down. There's mm. no doubt about that. Um, it's the same way if I see any of you down, it brings me down. You know, so you have to put yourself first. And that's what I've learned over the last while. Um and it's not for selfish reasons. It's really not. Yeah, but that's true. Like you do, you do have to, like, this is what we said in our house the other night. At the end of the day, you literally, the, only, the person that's with you from you're born to you die is yourself. Mm, yeah. So obviously, if you, you obviously love your family and you love your friends and everything, but you have to love yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like obviously of your family, but you're the only person that can 100% have your own back. And you're the one that lives in your mind 24-7. You're the one that's with yourself 24-7. You go to sleep by yourself, even though there's someone else there. You're still, it's just you. So yeah, I think that's true. And it's not, it's not a selfish thing. Like it's it's important because as you said, if you're not yourself 100% and you're not feeling the best, yes, that's fine. But it does have the domino effect on everyone as well. Yeah. I mean, look, it's not realistic to say that you should be feeling 100% perfect every day because that's that's really unrealistic. Um, of course, I'm going to have my down days and everyone's going to have their down days. But is it fair to allow that domino effect on others? You know, there is so many self-help, you know, things that you can do now to help you. Um, and I know talking to you because you're brilliant at all of that. So... You know, you know yourself, if I'm feeling down or anything, I'll lift the phone, I'll talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, your friends over there, they already know how much I think of them. They're all brilliant. Um, I'd even talk to them as well. You know, and there's other people I'd reach out to, but I think this is me sound, making myself sound ancient now. I think young people are brilliant nowadays because of the likes of this podcast and the fact that you are so vocal and speak up. You know, my generation wasn't like that. It was getting there, but it was still very, very much afraid to say things or afraid to speak about your feelings and things like that. Um, so yeah, if I'm feeling down, I don't I don't hold back. And you know that you've said that too about me. Like I'm very open about my feelings. Um I'm not afraid to cry, I'm not afraid to express emotion. Um, and I think it's the best way because if you're holding that in. It's just going to keep festering and festering and festering. Um, you let it out when you're feeling it. And it's the best medicine. 
it's the best medicine to pick you up again and move on. So, yeah, I don't. I try not to be in low moods for too long. <laughs> Talk it out, cry it out, and get on with it. I think that's definitely a mother, a motherly thing because I know for me, if I'm in a mood, it'll take me. It can take me like longer. Like I and I can be selfish sometimes. Not even selfish, but like it, sometimes it can just take me longer, and you can tell that I'm feeling that way. Whereas I don't, I think I can count in my hand, like both hand, maybe one hand, the times I've seen you like, like proper down to the part, the part where like it affected people for a long time. Like I don't think I can really have like any vivid memories of that happening. Do you think that's like? No. A, do you think that's like a motherly thing? No, I don't, because I have always been very strong. Um, before I had you, you know. I was 21 when I had you, um, but I was a strong person for it. Like I endured quite a bit, even growing up in school. I don't want to go into that in too much detail, but um, school wasn't overly kind to me, um, particularly in secondary school. And, you know, I carried that and I still carry it, but, you know, I got through it. Um, I found it tough as well, first year at university. Find it tough being away from home, but again, I got through it. Um, it is a lot to do with strength of character, and I do think I have that. As much as I sometimes beat myself up and think that I'm weak, when I look back over the years, I'm strong, and I always have been, and I continue to carry that with me. Um, so no, I don't think for me it's a motherly thing. I really don't. I just think it's, it's my character. Um, but do I want my children to see that strength in me? Of course I do. Mm-hmm. I want you to see that and I want, you know, to portray that onto you and Lola and Neva as well. That's very important to me. Yeah, well, as I said, I've definitely, you're definitely someone I look up to as being strong. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, you do have to, everybody has to work at that, though. That's not just something that comes naturally. I think you need challenges in your life. When you're growing up to make you a stronger person if you don't have challenges along the way but you're never going to know if you're strong or not it's actually so interesting because me and katie were talking the other day and like we were saying it was actually yesterday and i was saying about like whenever you're younger and say like your mom doesn't want you going out and you think oh she's just being so strict but like now that we're getting older and i have younger sisters it's like no they're just worried like that's all it was but whenever you're younger you can't you don't yeah. get that and it's like it's just so interesting. The older you get, the more you start to understand your own mind. Then we were like, "You're making me feel like I mentioned because everything you're saying is how I felt when Granny and Granda wouldn't let me go out." You're not that much older than me, like. No, not really. <laughs> but that's what we were saying as well. Like, it's your parent. Well, you can think this as well for Granny and Granda. Like, it's their first time doing life as well. Exactly. Not something yeah. like we would have thought of before. Like it's there, it's it's everyone's first time doing life. Like not everything's gonna be perfect because no one's done it before. Yeah. Just- and like at the end of the day, a parent's job is to protect their young, their ch- their children. Yeah. It goes for animals and not just humans, animals too. And you know, when you let your child out of your sight for the first time on their own, of course, you automatically start worrying. You know, are they going to be okay? Um, thank God there is mobile phones now because you have that. It's an added comfort for parents. But like when I was going out, there was none of that. Mm-hmm. Like you and I can talk to each other about anything. Yeah. 
I want that for Neva and Lola. And they can see that. They can see that you and me talk about everything. So I think that's great that they can see that and that I don't judge or, you know, I'm not about that. Yeah. Everybody's different and, you know, he's got their different views on life and you have to respect that. Like, you know, I'm not saying you have any crazy views, but I listen to everything you have to say. Are you in the freezer? <laughs> Shut up with you. I'm just pushing more and more wine. <laughs> I'm nervous here. So for anyone that's listening we're quite a close it's like a small family like so obviously I grew up just with on my side so yeah small family but all very 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 close very close like grew up at a granny's house every Sunday we go there every Christmas we all spend Christmas together like very close how do you maintain like how did you maintain how do you maintain that close relationship because I would say like you're the Jenna granny and granda everyone is like your best friends mm-hmm. and I think yeah. from seeing, I think seeing how close you are with Grand and Granda has made me really really value having a close relationship with you as well so how was that just always a thing in the house or um yeah I think it, it always was um like mommy and daddy just like I'm sure they won't mind me saying this but they just live for their, their children and their grandchildren um, you know, I was just out there last night and you know, dad, it's not the first time daddy said this last wee while and he just turned around and said, you know, my happiest time is with when I'm with my family, you know, mm-hmm. and they both said that even last week at the confirmation, you know, we were all there. Um, of course Declan wasn't there. Obviously he's in Australia. Um, but you know, Connor's boys were there and you were there, two girls, Jenna and her children were there, me and Jared, mommy and daddy, um, our first great-grand-niece, our first great-grandchild for, for granny and granda. We were all there and you could just see the happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, you could feel it. Um, like, mommy and daddy was in their element, you know, just having all of us around them. Um, and I know, obviously, Connor's not with us anymore, which is very, very unfortunate and very sad, but you know, to have his boys there mm-hmm. and his his first granddaughter, you know, there's always a piece of him there no matter what. And, you know, as long as those kids are about, you know, he'll always be here. And yeah, we all just, we've always been like that as a family growing up. We've always done everything together. Mummy um, and daddy always took us away every year to Mullock Moor. We always went killing to aunts and uncles' houses. Um, we had people coming to our house, family. You know, it was always family. Everything, everything we did growing up was always with family, um, and that that's been passed on to me just naturally, and on to Jenna and Declan as well. Declan phones mummy and daddy every single night, as you know. As do I. <laughs> yeah, every single night without fail. If if he doesn't ring, or if you don't ring, they think there's something wrong, and then they start worrying. Um. And like I know a lot of people go away from home and the, their parents will be lucky to get a phone call once every two weeks, maybe even once a month. Mm-hmm. So, um, I phone mommy and daddy every day and I only live 10 minutes in the road from yeah. every day, maybe two or three times a day. Um, you know, we've got that wee family group going on the WhatsApp, which I'm sure a lot of people have nowadays as well. It's it's a great way to just keep in touch in one place. Mm-hmm. Where we can all update each other on what's been going on in their lives. 
especially great for Declan, who's away from home. Um, yeah, so it's just something we were always, always so used to. Yeah. And like, I couldn't imagine living in a word as our Declan does still find it tough, even after 14, 15 years in Australia, he still finds it tough being away. Um, and I think that's why the phone calls come every night. But uh, I, I know I couldn't. I couldn't even think at the moment about being away from mummy and daddy. You know, it's just great knowing that I'm only 10 minutes away. So we're getting to the juicy stuff now. Oh, this is the stuff I was getting nervous about. Another wee drink of wine, I think. <laughs> um, we were just talking about family there and how close I am with Granny and Granda. And I think a big part of that is because, like, we obviously lived with them for, like, what, nine, ten, nine years? Ten years? Um, we moved out when you were in P6. So, or P2, sorry, P2. So you were six. Oh, I felt longer. Anyway, so obviously... Oh. Like they, I feel like I was very lucky because I had so many people raising me as well as you. Yeah. Well, like when I say we moved out, I bought my first house, um, the house that we're still in. Um, when you were in P six or, geez, I keep saying you were six, you were in P two, um, but like, it was like a, at the start, like for the first year, or so even we didn't stay here every night. Mm. <laughs> no, in fact. For the first two weeks, do you remember this? Grandma yeah. Malik came and moved in was yeah. <laughs> here from Roy. Yeah. And then um What age were you then? I was twenty-seven. That's young. Mm-hmm. And uh because I, I just always wanted to buy my own house. I didn't know whether I was gonna live in it or not or what I was gonna do, but we decided then we were gonna move in. Um but again it was like we spent about three nights a week in this house and Four nights away from Granny and Grandis. So let's go back before that. Do we have to go back. I um. Well, always say you should never. You should never go back to the past. Keep yeah. looking towards the future. Well, these are some questions that I've never asked. So, what did you feel whenever you found out that you were having me? What you were twenty twenty. I was twenty. Do you want to give the backstory? It's up to you. I oh, well, why not? <laughs> just, just briefly, just, just briefly. very briefly. Um, yes, I took a year. My third year at university uh, was a choice year if I wanted to spend a year at, at university in America. Um, so me and a good friend of mine, Dominic, um, chose to go to Dominican College in just outside Chicago. And from day one, really, from I got there. Um, this guy caught my eye and I caught his eye. <laughs> uh, his name was Omar. And we were t- taking all the same classes and everything. So he was an accountant or going on to be an accountant as well. And yeah, we just we just clicked really from day dot. Um, and we were together the whole time I was there. Um, even when I left, you know, we were still you know, trying for the long distance relationship and whatever else. Um, but yeah, so I left America. I was three months pregnant um, at that stage. But when I initially found out, you know, age of 20, away from home, um, I was so scared. More scared about, not not scared about how I was going to 
be able to do this um, because again that strength of character was still there and I was determined that I would do this um, but my fear was more what's everybody going to say especially granny and granda you know mummy and daddy for me what, what are they going to say um, you know I think it would have been easier if I had been at home but it made it a lot harder that it was away from home um, and I do remember you know they did they were upset but they were more upset for the fact that I wasn't there at home you know where they could have come and hugged me or you know assured me everything was going to be okay um, the guy was 20 their 20 year old first baby if you like and I'm you know the other side of the Atlantic Ocean and scared you know um, and they couldn't comfort me or put their arms around me and reassure me and stuff, you know. So I can I can put myself in their shoes now, you know, and really understand yeah. how they must have been feeling. Um, so yeah, when I came home, I was three months, three and a half months pregnant, and oh, mum and daddy was at the airport to meet me, and they just both came running through their arms around me, and mummy just wanted to be that whole like protective mummy and. Like they were so so good, so supportive to me the whole way through the pregnancy. Like I couldn't, you know, couldn't have went any better. They, I couldn't have done it without them. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, they were brilliant, and you obviously come along. You were their first grandchild, and oh my god, they both cried. <laughs> Mummy was with me in the labour ward. Um, and when Daddy saw you, oh god, the tears! Like they, they just were so so happy. Um, and I mean, like it shows today how close you are with them, and you know how close they are with you. You know, they more or less they were they they helped rear you. You know, um, in fact, you called. Remember when you were <laughs> you started talking? You called mommy, granny, mommy, <laughs> and you called granda, daddy. <laughs> you know, um, and you looked at Connor and Declan, Jenna as your brothers and sister. You know, so. And yeah. they still look to this day, Daclan be like, oh, maybe mother, wee sister, and like, the whole, like, uh-huh. all yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, I think, again, strength of character got me through it, but, again, could I have done it as successfully as I did without mummy and daddy? No. Definitely don't think I could have done it without them. In fact, I know I couldn't have, because, you know, I still got to finish my final year university, um, then I decided, you know, I wanted to finish. Did you finish uni while you were pregnant or after? Um, I had to actually take six months out, which the university was very supportive of. So I did my semester sort of in reverse order in my final year. I did my last semester first, which meant I was going to graduate a year later. Um, but you know, didn't matter. They were very supportive, and yeah, so um. It was brilliant because it just all worked out so well. And then I got a job, my first job working um, in McKinley and Cole, Cookstown. And still not really knowing what I wanted to do, but it was the accountant's office anyway. And after about three months, it's just sort of casual working there. My boss at the time, um, he spoke to me and said, you know, do you want to think about maybe taking doing a contract? With me, I can take you on for three years and allow you to do your exams and your studies. And at the end of it all, you become, you know, if you pass all your exams and everything else, you become a chartered accountant. And 
I thought, yeah, that sounds pretty good. So I went home and researched it and saw this is actually a very respectable qualification to have. Tough work, very hard work, but again, strength of character, I can do this. Um, I'm a mummy now and no better reason to do it than to do it for my child. And that was at the, that young age of 2021, 20, that was my drive, was being a mummy. Um, and I just said, yeah, I'm going to do that. So, again, mummy and daddy completely supported me because there was a lot of studying involved. It's like, If you look it up, it, it's one of the, the toughest professional qualifications anyone can go for. So at a young age of 21, mummy of one, I, I couldn't have done that without strong parents behind me, you know, that like, supported me. The whole way. It's just like mad hearing it now, like... Because, like, whenever I was 20, like, no way. Like, I know, obviously, things change if we find out, like, say, if it happened to me. But I just, I just don't know. Like, it's just, like, that's, like, to be able to, like, go and finish your degree, get a job, all about having a baby at, like, 21. Because mm-hmm. so young. Like, you obviously were my 21st birthday. Like, just such a different place, like, in... I don't know it's just it's actually insane like don't get me wrong <laughs> this is gonna sound funny i don't recommend it you know <laughs> that you go do that at the age of 21 um just to get drive you know to go and do something um look i believe in fate and if a thing's gonna happen it's gonna happen and you know everything's meant to be you come into my life at the right time um i often say if it, you know that hadn't happened where would I be today? Would I be sitting with a, a good career and a good job? Um, you know, and this this drive and passion that I have now, I don't know what I'd be doing. So I do believe everything happens for a reason. Um, because I, I can hand it to you. I can give all, all the credit to you because you were my main driver for me working hard and getting getting that qualification. Um, I remember evenings coming home from work. Like I worked started work at eight o'clock in the morning half eight in the morning sorry I finished at six there were long hours but then we finished one on a Friday but even at that I was coming home in the evening you were only a toddler and putting you down to bed and then coming back up to mummy and daddy's kitchen and studying for three hours and then maybe not getting to bed myself till 11 12 o'clock at night mm. you know but I loved it I was young I was fit to do it you know and I, again I had that drive that when we're dying and looking into the bed, this all sounds so cheesy. It would see you sleep and I thought, well, it's all worth it because it's for her. At the end of the day, that's why I'm doing it. Well, um, that's you know, so that's very, it's very, um, it's like hearing a story that's about someone else, like because you're not, like, you're not, so, you're not braggy, you're not a braggy person. Like you've never like sat and like told me that and like the amount of work and stuff that into that. So to hear it, like. It's like, is that actually what she done? Like, I know it is. It's actually very strange telling you. It's like I'm talking to a stranger right now. <laughs> <laughs> and there's not even that many people I've told that story to. Yeah, um, the whole world. <laughs> I know, and like, I'll be honest, you know, it became quite evident early on, you know, that I wasn't going to get that I was going to be a single mummy. Mm. You know, and um, again hard to accept that at a very young age too especially when you had you know you did have a very strong relationship even though it was a short one but um 
so that you know you have to it's it can be hard at that age to accept that but there comes a point where you just have to say right okay that you are you're doing you're doing this solo all right you've got your mom and dad there but as regards being a parent you're doing it solo you know so um what, what was yeah. that like what was that like I just there's just so many things like whenever you actually hear you sitting down like saying everything has happened like so much credit to give to you that I probably haven't before and it's just like what was it actually like being like raising it like, I'm just thinking like I'm 23 mm-hmm. it's just like so whenever you're saying these things I'm like I think those things would break me but like how mm-hmm. I keep saying like strength and character, but like I just don't like just like <laughs> I don't know like it just feels like you're talking to a stranger right now <laughs> but there's so many like right I'm going to tell you a few wee things right like there's so many wee silly things like when I look back now they weren't silly I'd be sitting in work and during my lunch break do you know what I'd be doing during my lunch break at the age of 21 I'd be sitting looking through say remember there used to be a, a, um, an Argus editions catalogue they used to do clothes and used to do like bedroom furniture and all this kind of stuff and I remember sitting at lunchtime on my lunch break going through that wee catalogue and picking out clothes for you and getting real excited about you know these gorgeous wee clothes for the summer and they were beautiful they were so so nice I remember ordering a pile of stuff and couldn't wait till they were delivered to the, to the house to granny's house and when they were delivered the excitement and dressing you up and putting all the clothes on you and um decided that it was going to decorate the bedroom and Winnie the Pooh style mm. and the excitement of all those wee deliveries coming to the house and getting the paint out and decorating the room and putting up all the wee stickers and you know as a 21 year old those were the things that excited me <laughs> you know yeah. the going out and stuff oh, I used to like to go out now and again but I just loved being a mummy mm. I just loved it I loved the whole thing. I loved going out to work every morning. No one was coming home to you every evening. Loved it. I used to take you away. Me and you used to go away every weekend to like, I don't know if you remember that, the Causeway Coast Hotel in Port Rush. Mm-hmm. I would do like wee sporadic trips, just me and you. Um, every Sunday we always done something, whether it be go bowling together, go to the cinema, go swimming. Mm-hmm. You know, we always done something. Um, I loved it. I just loved being a mummy at that age. Mm. I mean, some people can just are just cut out to do it. You're just like, like one of your not your only calling in life, like one of the main ones. One of them, yeah. I just loved it, really did, and still do. I love that you know we can have conversations, not as deep as this, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> really not as deep as this, but. Um, yeah, no, I just, it's one of my favourite things in life is being a mummy. Well, that's definitely something I want to try. I think this conversation's made me be like, because obviously, you know, recently I've been like, pity party, this has been like, right, come on now. Look uh-huh. at it, like, mummy's done. Like, what are you sitting here crying and laughing about? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's definitely like, yeah. it's like, in, like, it's inspirational, like, for me to hear all that. Like, it really is like a 20 and 20. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad to hear that. So, this is definitely the best conversation we've ever had. You see me in a whole different light now, Sarah. Yeah, I actually do. Why did you not tell me? Whenever I was younger and I was being a dick, you could have just told me this. I want to change. 
you know I don't think so you have to be a certain age before these things sort of it's not a conversation you sit down and tell your child oh I did this and I did that mm. I'm not looking you to give me any sort of acknowledgement to say oh my god mommy that's great that's brilliant so much respect that's look I think and this may be a very debatable thing I'm going to say but I think no matter what age you are if you have brought a child into the world. The responsibility lies with you to make the most out of your life for your child. You know, that becomes your priority. Sure. That is your priority. You and I are a protector of someone. Oh, I really like, I really like hearing that. Oh. Yeah. So whenever you... I'm assuming you knew I was going to be mixed race. That, is that of a stupid question? I was assuming you knew I was going to... I don't know. Like, Did you know I was going to be like... Did you think, oh, she might be white? She might not be? Like, Did you have any idea? No idea. And less that I even care, to be quite honest with you. Um, I honestly did not care. Like, Was that my aim of me? I don't think it was. At the end of the day, I was carrying my baby. Didn't matter what colour you were. None of that mattered. I was carrying my baby. That was it. Um, and like, it wasn't really until later on that, you know, I did hear that certain people were like, oh my God, Keenan's bringing home we mixed race baby and all this here kind of stuff. Um, I wonder what it's going to look like. And I said, I, those things never really entered my head. And like, see, whenever you were born in the hospital too, and I'll never forget this. Um, <laughs> one of the midwives came to me and said, I think your baby's jaundiced. Because I never thought to say to them. Like, um, I said, why? And she goes, oh, she's just a bit yellow, you know. And I said, right, okay. <laughs> so, again, me being young and naive, I never thought to say to her, oh, well, She's, you know, she's an extra race or whatever. Um, and it wasn't until maybe, because I was in for like three or four days, it wasn't maybe to the second day. Um, like they'd asked me then about, you know, the father or whatever. And I said, oh, her dad lives in America. Um, and they, they talked a bit more. And then, then the wee midwife I got quite friendly with and I told her the crack. And she said, oh, that explains it then. She's not jaundiced. <laughs> You never told these midwives like that. I thought. You see, that's the thing. The, the whole color thing never, never really entered my head. All I thought was, this is my baby. You know, it never. And that's that's a right hand of God. Never really entered my mind at all. And what was it like? At all. <laughs> what was it like raising me, like as like as a child, like a mixed race baby? Tried with like everything, like just like people. Like, did you get any like, like, was there any like reactions in any way, or like even like just like my hair, like anything? Like, just what was your? I remember taking you to um, I would go to mass every Sunday, and some Sundays I would go to cleaning mass, which is in Kildress. Some Sundays I would go into Cookstown, and I swear to God, the amount of people like this is whenever you're maybe like one. One and a half, whenever you could start to like wave at people, I'd be sitting holding you, and you'd be sitting waving away at people behind me, 
And I'd look around and the whole congregation sitting smiling and waving at you. <laughs> and then I would get up at the end of Mass and the amount of people would come up and say, oh my God, she is absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. Um, so it was always, yes, people did notice you. They mm -hmm. definitely did. But it was all compliments about how beautiful you are. So cute, those eyes. Oh my God, she's, that smile. You know, it was all real nice things. Um, yeah. So. Oh, all good. So enough about me. Well, I would love to say about you, but as well. So what is, what was or is your, your doing accountancy, what would your dream job be? If I wasn't doing accountancy. If you weren't doing what else could you see yourself in? Always said I would love to be a midwife. Um, I've always said that. But I don't think I'll be suited to it in the sense that I would only want to be a midwife for the joyous occasions. I don't think I could cope with those occasions that don't turn out as planned for mm -hmm. the mummies and daddies or whatever. Um so that would be the one thing that would put me off that calling or that career. But I mean, like when I was pregnant um, with all my children, I loved watching one born every minute, just loved it. Um, but again, that they only show you the joyous occasions where the baby's born and everybody's so happy and crying and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I know there can be that other side to it, which, yeah, I don't think I could really handle that seeing people hurting and pain and stuff. So, um, so that would have been my dream job if everything was just nice and rosy and all that, um, which is very far removed from being an accountant. <laughs> so different. Um, like fantasy life, like in the spare flavor, just be delivering all these babies all the time. Yeah. And just seeing happy parents and everything like that there. But What would you say is the biggest thing that you're either working on or that you have to work on slash improve in your life? Um, the, the people pleasing thing. I've been doing that people pleasing thing from I was at school, particularly secondary school. Um, just always trying to do what I think is going to make everybody else happy or make everybody else like me or you know, and I don't know where that stems from. It just it's just my personality. Um <laughs> I know, and that's what I'm saying. It took me until last year at the age of 43 to realize this is getting you nowhere. <laughs> Trying to people please. It's getting you absolutely nowhere. And I like I remember mummy especially saying to me, Why are you always pushing yourself to please other people? You get no thanks for it. And that's what I'm saying. It took me to the age of 43 to realise that what you were saying was right. You know, and I've been doing that for 30 years. People pleasing. And I just I just said, no, this is really getting me nowhere. People Absolutely. Yeah, people just take it. The more you give, the more people take advantage. And I just said, no, this, this, I'm stopping this now. So before it gets Still working on it, Sarah. Still working on it. Right. Well, let's let's make a commitment that you're gonna do something every day, even if it's 
I don't know, obviously I'm not a fucking therapist, but or I don't know what life coach, but it's obviously coming from somewhere. So let's try let's try and figure out where it's coming from. Let's try and make that commitment on this podcast today. I'm gonna ring you tomorrow and say, right, what are you doing today? To stop people pleasing, just something small every day. Yeah. I'll, I'll do the same side people please every day. And you're the I first I don't know why I do it. I I just don't know. First, you're the first one to tell me not to do it. So let's let's make a commitment today to help each other with that. Yeah. Totally, totally. I think it's, it's definitely. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there. Maybe it's just something that comes naturally to people. People just like the people, please. Everything comes from somewhere. Yeah. So when I was at home the other day, you said the advice you would give me at this age is well, this is one of the advice you said to be patient with kind of finding like a partner you're like don't settle and obviously if the right person comes along that's fine but your biggest advice was you're like I could have settled I didn't and by the age of like 30 that's never Jared came along so how did you find it like did you was there any stage you were like oh my god I might be alone forever or did you always be like no it's gonna happen Mm. no I did I actually thought at one stage I was like you know what, I think I'd prefer to be single, just, you know, be independent and raise Sarah and be able to go traveling and just live the independent lifestyle. Um, but fate has a funny way of coming along and saying, no, that's not what you were destined to do. Um, and like we endured, had a wee thing when we were younger, it's like very young, teenage years. Um, we had a few wee kisses along the way and he was always one of those guys, probably the only one really that's sort of always stood out in my mind that always sort of, anytime I've seen him, got the wee butterflies in my stomach and things like that. Um, but we both went in totally different directions and as I say, fate has a funny way of coming back and we got together again very strangely over Facebook um, and uh, I remember he added me and then we got talking and we both decided to go out and date one night to the cinema there was a film we both wanted to see and we went together to see it and as I say the rest is history that, that was really it and that was I was 30 30 at the time I 14 years ago that, that gives me that gives me hope yeah, I was single for a good six years before Jared came along. So um, what I said to you the other night was, like, I haven't had very many serious relationships um, too prior to Jared. And, you know, yes, they, of course, you get hurt and your heart's broke and all that there. And you think, oh, God, I'm never going to get over it and all this kind of stuff. But my advice to you was, don't you know because I could have settled in both of those relationships and been miserable the rest of my life um just a disclaimer here that I'm actually I'm not going through a heartbreak this was just general advice for life (laughs) just general advice for life that's all it is um you know some people are lucky that you know they meet the one straight away but for others it can take a wee bit longer and I always my advice would be leave it up to fate don't try and force something. If something is not working, 
um, or if the other person has just bowed out and said, no, look, I'm sorry, it's not for me. Don't force it. Really don't force it because you're you're using so much of your energy and time that could be spent on better, bigger and better things. Just mm-hmm. don't waste energy because anything that needs to be forced was never meant to be in the first place. You could be a re- see this advice you're giving me about this type of stuff. You're very sure. Oh, like you should be sure in that, but everything. Yeah. Well, I know that now from experience. That's why I'm always saying young people need to speak to this our generation because we've experienced it all. Mm-hmm. We have experiences and you you really are if, if you're if you're trying to force it, it was never ever meant to be in your life in the first place. So just let it go. Let it go. Love that. Actually, you're like, I'm going to take that advice on board. Mm-hmm. That sounds like something you would hear in a Stephen Bartlett podcast. I'm actually surprised he said it myself, but it's so true. That way, quote now going forward. I will. If you've got to force something, it wasn't meant to be. That's, that's the wine kicking in. That's the real you coming out now. Stop, Sarah. <laughs> it's so true. It goes with everything in life. It goes with your work. It goes with relationships, friendships, everything. If you're stressing and you're feeling shit about something, then just get rid of it. It's not meant to be there. You know? No, I like I've 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 took that away from this podcast. Yep, I like that. Good. I hope a lot of people have taken that away. Because I've actually taken it away and I've only said it. Look <laughs> <laughs> over the penny drops. You're like, fuck. <laughs> That's right, actually. Why am I doing that? Why am I forcing that? Well, they just landed because me and Liam were discussing today. So everyone listening, I'm going to be ending each podcast with, so what would you tell the next person that's on a bit of advice to the last girl I had on, Teresita? She didn't like, I didn't ask her the question, what would you tell the next person? But I just said, what advice would you give? And hers was literally, relax, just relax. Like there's no point stressing. And I was like, love that. So is this your bit of advice for the next person? I know the next person is coming on. And I'm very excited about it. And I think everybody should tune in. Um, it's it's uh, it's a male, which will make a bit of a change because there's been a lot of females on here lately. And a lot of people will really, really enjoy next week's. But yeah, to that person next week, take that wee quote. And I'm sure this person really knows that. I don't know. Because um, he's in the same sort of generation as me. And he would have a lot of life experiences too, I'm sure, along the way. So, yeah, if you got to force it, get rid of it. It wasn't meant to be there in the first place. Love it. I'm excited to hear what he's going to say about that and what his is going to be. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I just want to say that thank you very much for coming on. I know you were nervous. And I appreciate and acknowledge you doing this because I think it's out of your comfort zone. But I also know you like to talk about these things. Even when we have yeah. this- all the time these dates maybe not this day because i things i didn't ask we always have good conversations and we always have a com- good conversations and i'm grateful and appreciative that i could always speak to you and this is weird me being nice and i'm very thankful for everything you've done for me and just hearing that story like literally like i'm like mesmerized if i were to go upstairs and tell everyone i'm like what are you here like unreal class um yeah love you lots and sorry, I appreciate you and thank you for coming. Hey girl talk to you soon pet okay bye